welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. FSU, fresh off a two-game winning streak. Um, big win over the Tar Heels. Uh, a game they were huge underdogs. You know, 17-point uh, betting underdogs. And so if you, you know, you were a brave man and you went to um, bet online, and uh, placed your bet, you could have went uh, won a lot of money. I think um, FSU to cover the spread at um, at halftime was like plus five hundred, which meant if you bet a hundred dollars, um, you would have won that bet and won five hundred dollars. So um, I'll get right into um, the sponsor. Um, head over to um, Bet Online. Uh, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Uh, football, basketball, boxing. We just had a huge boxing match um, with Tyson Fury and Dante Wilder last week. Um, also, Vegas Casino Games. Uh, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for uh, this season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, yeah, um, big, big win for the Knowles. You know, I wrote after a loss, mind you, um, a few weeks ago. And I want to say it was um, it was probably after the, the, the Louisville loss that um, I could see improvements uh, in the team. And um, a lot of people kind of read that. You know, I had some comments that were kind of laughing or whatever. But when you know football – you know, you can see you can see improvements. It's not so much about the results; it's about the process and knowing how things operate. And if you if you handle the process correctly, then the results usually will come. And that has been the case with FSU uh, over the last couple of games. The coaches are, are doing a great job of playing to uh, their strengths. The players' strengths, you know, they're not asking Jordan Travis to be a, a drop-back passer anymore. They're using his legs um, as a big part of the offense and, you know, just asking him to stay within himself, make the throws he can make. And, you know, the guys are executing. Uh, our uh, friend of the show, uh, one day at a time, asked, you know, if it was, you know, smoke and mirrors scheme or just uh, sheer better execution and it probably was a mixture of all three, but I think it was more so execution in, in scheme uh, more than, well, scheming and smoke and mirrors are kind of, you know, sometimes can be one and the same. It just depends on how you look at it. But, you know, when you looked at those guys in the, in the run blocking game, you know, they got a hat on a hat, got to the next level, opened up holes for the running backs. You know, they were running backs were getting three yards before they were touched by a defender on average. Jordan Travis did a great job of um, getting the the right play in, you know, looking at the numbers and deciding, um, you know, what they should do uh, in the read option game. Man, I, don't, I can't recall uh, FSU running the read option that well. The way Jordan Travis would hold that ball until the last second, make somebody commit. And usually good things would happen, whether he kept the ball or he, if he handed it off to um, Treshawn Ward or Jayshon Corbin. 
you know, so it was really those guys just executing and not beating themselves. You didn't have any turnovers for the first time since 2019 against Florida. Think about how long ago that is. You know, they had 55 uh, penalties for 50 yards, only had two tackles for a loss, 70% third down conversions. I mean, that's, that's winning football. And you have heard me beat this drum the entire year. You know, everybody was criticizing the defense, and, you know, in some instances, rightly so. But I've been saying all year, if the offense played better, the defense would play better. And what happened? The defense actually didn't play poorly, even though they were down 10 to nothing. You know, if, uh, UNC drives down. You know, they forced them to kick a field goal. That's a win. You know, they get, a, get them to fourth down, and then fourth and one, Robert Cooper, you know, they said he jumped off sides, but he never touched anyone or entered the neutral zone. He moved, but you can move. You don't, you're not an offensive lineman. But anyway, you know, they threw the flag, and um, obviously that resulted in a touchdown later on. But then the offense came right back and scored and made it 10-7. And what happened? You saw the defense get some life. They got to stop. FSU scores again, what happens? Uh, FSU gets an interception, and they just played off of one another, and it's what I've been saying the entire year. The offense needed to give the defense something to play for. They needed, you know, when the defense goes out there, they got to say, okay, we have a shot to score when the offense has the ball. You know, that, that really wasn't the case for most of the year, but uh, over the last – Last couple games, you've seen that with the offense, and you've seen the defense play much better. Um, still some things to clean up. You know, still too many missed tackles. Um, I know Sam Howell is not a small guy, but uh, he ran through too many tackles to – he went ran through too many tackles to my liking uh, on Saturday, uh, especially there was one third down. Oh, man, they had him stopped, and, you know, he, he broke a couple of tackles and had a big game to convert a third down. But other than that, Yes, UNC dropped some balls that they should have caught or they normally would have caught probably, but hey, you know, that 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 happens. Um and you can, you know, you can, you know, you can live with it. But, you know, overall, I thought it was um the most complete game that they have played. And um it's good to see. Now, the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge for FSU, and I'm glad I waited to record this. I was going to record this um, Monday night and, you know, just was hanging out with my kids and, you know, I said, well, you know, I'll wait and, and, and see how practice goes on Tuesday because I was really interested to see how these guys would respond in the bye week. I know they're banged up. I know they need treatment and they need to get healed, but they, you know, they still have practice. And what do you know? Mike Novell comes out and says that their effort at practice was he was disappointed in what he saw. And that tells me all I need to know about where this team is still. Yes, we've seen, you know, what, uh, 10 quarters of decent to good football going back to the second half of the Louisville game. But a good team, you know, or team wanting wanting to get better, not that these guys don't, I think they do, but, you know, they still don't know how to do it at the highest level yet. 
And so that's why you see a lackadaisical effort from not all, but some guys at practice on Tuesday during the bye week. And Mike Norville correctly stated that that was not the standard and that's what he's not going to settle for and it's not acceptable. And he rightly so called them out in the media for that lack of, lack of effort. And that is going, you know, what they do now is going to translate into the UMass game. UMass is the second worst team in the country. You know, they just beat UConn, who I guess is the worst the worst team, power five team in the country since they lost to UMass. And FSU should blow the doors off of them. And that game is going to tell you, that game probably will tell you more about this program than the UNC game will. Because, you know, Mike Neville says it all the time, you know, it's not about how you handle failure, it's how you handle success. And we saw we saw them handle success pretty well against uh, UNC this past week after beating Syracuse on the last second field goal. But that was a game that, you know, you kind of have some motivation. You're 17-point underdogs. You're on the road. You played poorly on the road in your last outing when you were at Wake Forest. You're going to be at home against UMass. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. You know, it's probably going to be, you know, not a crazy excited crowd because you're expected to win. How how are they going to handle that? How are they going to handle that atmosphere? How are they going to handle, man, we're supposed to win? And if they go out there, no, I, you know, I think they're going to win the game. But if they go out there and they're lackadaisical and they're sloppy and they have, you know, 10 penalties and they turn the ball over, don't execute, you know, that'll tell you, that'll tell you more about this program than the win against UNC. They'll tell you just how far they have to go. Now, today was only one day. Maybe um, when they practice again, um, and then next week, you know they'll they'll pick it up. You know it could be you know, it's human nature. You know you're you're coming off a big win or two big wins that you really needed. You know your backs against the wall. You know nobody believes in you. You you know you you need treatment. You're tired. You're hurting. It's human nature to want to back off and and you know not go one hundred percent. But I was really glad to hear Mike Novell call them out today after practice. And so we'll see uh, what happens moving forward. But um, I'm really, I'm really excited to see this UMass game because if they go out there and they beat the bricks off of UMass the way they're supposed to, then that is a, a great sign moving forward about the culture. Um, and I believe the guys are bought in, you know, but still uh, it's, it's still one thing to – to have that killer instinct when you you know when your people are doubting you, but when you when you're supposed to win, you know going back to Jacksonville State, you know and and being able to focus and execute when everybody expects you to win, that's a different level, and that's something that um, you know we haven't seen from this program in in quite some time. Um, you know they they tend to play okay. You know against Notre Dame, you know they were underdogs. You know, against uh, Wake Forest, you know, they were underdogs. Uh, they were favored against Louisville. You know, they, they found a way to lose that one. But I'm – just wait. That UMass game is going to tell you everything, I'm telling you. Um, and then you and, – and, and not to mention you have Clemson 
um, after that game. You know, naturally, if, if FSU was a really good, you know, if they were in their heyday, you know, obviously you would say, oh, you're going to use the UMass game to prepare for Clemson. And they probably probably will try to do that. But at the same time, that's what got you in trouble against Jacksonville State. You got to go out there and win that game against UMass and then worry about Clemson later. You know, it, you, I still don't think they're good enough to, to try to plan for another game when you, you have one game in front of them. You know, so avoiding complacency, um, beating the teams they're supposed to, the way they're supposed to, you know, not being sloppy, not playing down to the level of competition. That's, what's, that's what, you know, that's what I'm waiting to see next uh, from this program. But we've seen improvements. We've seen improvements over last year. If you want to go back, um, I use a, a website called um, cfbstats.com for a lot of the things that I write. And if you go back and look at last year, and last year, you know, they had – um, you know, nine games, you know, they played six games. Um, they didn't play Florida or Clemson in those games last year, and they haven't played those games this year yet. So it's kind of similar, you know, they, they played similar teams, you know, so it's, it's not exactly an apples to oranges uh, comparison because it's a different number of games, but it's it's probably a similar level of competition. If you look, you know, they're, they're already averaging more points than they were last year. They are averaging more yards um, per rush compared to last year. Um, yards per play is up from 5.54 to 5.85 compared to last year. Third down conversions, last year they were like 35%. This year they're at 40%. And obviously the, the game against UNC helped, helped boost that number quite a bit. But still, you know, 40%. Um, last year, the defense allowed 46% third down conversions. And we saw they had an issue with that earlier this year. But over the last couple of games, you know, they, they've gotten better. And so now that is down to 42%. Uh, the defense is allow, allowing. Um, one thing I wrote about in the preseason was an area that they needed to improve was red zone on offense. Last year, they scored touchdowns, um, I think it was 60, 64% of the time. Um, I need to go back and double-check that. I'm sorry, it was 61% of the time. 61% of the time, they scored 19 touchdowns in 31 attempts in 2020. And in 2021, they are scoring touchdowns in the red zone 70% of the time. They've scored touchdowns 14 out of 20 opportunities. So that's big. You know, you, you, you don't win games kicking field goals. And you know our field goal uh, kicking has been shaky. But props to Ryan Fitzgerald. You know, he made all of his extra points against UNC. And they looked, they were right down the middle. Nothing looked, you know, crazy or anything. They, they looked the way they were supposed to look. So shout out to uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Looks like, you know, since he made the kick against Syracuse, he, you know, he may have found his groove and, Hopefully the kicking game will be um, continue to 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 play at a high level. But you know that's kind of where we are the program. You know I've written about um, the the UNC game and the Syracuse game in detail. Um, so I'm not going to you know bore you with that. You can go to the website if you missed any of that. Uh, Chopchat.com and catch up on all the key moments from each game. Um, 
you know, the pivotal moments and, you know, why the game swung this way and why it did, you know, why it swung that way. And, you know, we talk about all, all those things and we talk about um, the players that impacted those games with the uh, Tomahawk stickers that we award. I know Mike Novell does that after wins. Um, you know, we tend to, to – we started that after the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game, actually. So, um, you know, whether they win or lose, we if a player plays well, we want to recognize it. And so, you know, we do that um, whenever – we feel that a player or players have earned that, you know, so, but going to be writing about, you know, some more of the uh, improvements that we've seen um, compared to last year uh, in the, in the coming days on the site. And we'll also be touching on, you know, the biggest surprises, the biggest disappointments. So look forward to, um, to some of those articles on chopchat.com in, in the coming days. But before I log off from here, I got to I got to talk about the boys down south down down in Miami. So those of you if you follow me on Twitter, you know last year um whenever uh covid was going on and Miami was you know they had these these South Florida guys committed and you know they were talking about how they were getting ready to um you know be back as they do all you know every year. And you know I was I was telling them last year I was like the only reason you have these guys is because of COVID and, you know, they're not able to visit other colleges the way, um, you know, other kids could because Miami is so far south, you know, the closest, you know, I mean, it's a long way to go up to visit, you know, other schools. I mean, it's a long way up to Gainesville or, or even uh, Orlando, uh, much less out of state where obviously, you know, teams like Ohio State, Alabama, um, you know, LSU, Auburn, you know, Florida State, they, you know, they all, you know, try to get the South Florida kids. And so since they were not able to visit, they kind of didn't have a choice, really. You know, they kind of had to stay home and go to Miami. And I said it last year. I was like, you know, when COVID is over, watch and see what happens. And looky here. Miami is back in the load more category. They just lost one of their top commitments. Yesterday, after all that smack, that smack that Manny Diaz was talking, you know, this summer, talking about, you know, they're not a high-pressure outfit and blah, 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 blah. They've got eight commitments. And, you know, the majority of those guys are from out of state. So they may not even keep those guys, you know, um, they gotten they have one offensive lineman and one defense defensive lineman and neither one of them are, are elite guys. Um they got a quarterback that's a running back trying to play quarterback. They hey, Miami's in trouble. Miami's in trouble. They have UNC on deck at UNC. Mac Brown hung sixty plus on Manny Diaz last year. I think those running backs from UNC are still running and scoring touchdowns against the Miami. And, you know, I wrote I wrote about it on the Built for Playmakers um, Twitter account. You know, I, I have forgotten about this, but, you know, Mac Brown fired Manny Diaz when they were at Texas. And so there's, you know, I think there's a reason that, that um, Mac dropped 60 on him last year. You know, I mean, they didn't let up. And I don't think, I don't think they're going to let up on Saturday because FSU just embarrassed them again in front of the home crowd and Mac Brown and those guys are, you know, they're feeling some heat up there in Chapel Hill because of 
them under underperforming compared to preseason expectations, and hey, it it might get ugly for for Miami. They just lost Derek King for the year. Not that he was the same player. They rushed him back too early. I, I knew that. I, there was no way that guy got hurt in a bowl game, you know, torn ACL, and it was going to be able to come back and be at 100 percent against uh, against Alabama. That was that was crazy talk, and I. I said as much whenever they were like he was going to be able to go against Alabama in the, in the summer. I was like, what? I was like, bro, there's no way. That's crazy. And and here we are. You know, he's he's gone for the season. They've got, um, I think it was Tyler Van Dyke back there who's, you know, whatever. You know, we'll see. But, man, Miami's in trouble. You know, Manny Diaz, you know, I hope they keep him forever, you know, because – I think, um, you know, they've beaten FSU the last, what, four years, I think it is. But, it's, you know, obviously it's like the worst FSU program stretch ever or in our lifetimes. And two of those four wins were gifts to, to Miami, even at that. But, you know, FSU, FSU, if they can keep trending in the right direction um, and win, you know, two, three more games, um I think, you know, they'll be uh, in a better spot than Miami. Um, obviously, you know, the next few games will be will be crucial. And if somehow FSU can, can beat Miami this year, man, that would be huge. That would be huge. So uh, keep an eye on Miami this weekend. We'll see if those boys quit. You know, they quit against um, UNC last year when uh, whenever they were just running all over those guys. And so – We'll see if that happens again, but I, I have some Miami guys that that stay in my in my mentions and in my DMs because I I stay talking that smack to them. But it's the truth, and so if you're listening to it, you listen to this right now, Miami guys. I try to tell you, I try to tell you last year you want to listen, but you know I, I pay attention. I pay attention, man. I keep my ears to the streets. You know Miami Miami beat one team last year with a winning record. That was NC State, and they won by like one point. You know, I mean, FSU beat as many teams, as many teams with a winning record last year as Miami did. So, you know, there's that. So that should have told you that expectations this year were stupid. Um, But, you know, that's Miami fans in general. So anyway, pay attention to that game. Um, You know, since FSU is on a bye week this week, um, make sure you go to bet online if you're interested in, in, you know, trying to win some money um of course it's for this is for entertainment so you know i kind of have to cover myself with that but uh, you know be um be responsible when you're betting but um we appreciate all the support make sure you go to um and subscribe and download and tell a fsu friend about the about the program here built for playmakers um make sure you um makes those notifications are on so that whenever we do upload the podcast you you get the notification and you can go ahead and listen in uh, immediately and we appreciate the support and we look forward to talking to you guys soon go now. thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.